Welcome back to another episode of the Behavioral Economics and Marketing Podcast Series. This is Sandra thomas Commonall. This season is entitled Lessons from the Fire, in which I will explore behavioral economics, marketing, professional, and personal development through having recently experienced a natural disaster. In this episode, I'll be talking about loss aversion bias and natural disasters. So what is loss aversion bias? Loss aversion bias is a cognitive bias that describes the observation that humans experience loss asymmetrically to a greater degree than acquiring equivalent gains. In other words, the concept of loss aversion is that people experience the pain of losing more powerfully than the pleasure of gaining to an extent that can be twice as much. For example, an example of loss aversion in behavioral finance is when investors are so fearful of losses that they focus on trying to avoid a loss more so than on making gains. In this example, a fearful investor is more likely to double down on a bad investment than to sell at a loss. And it is important to note that loss aversion is differentiated from risk aversion in that people that are risk averse tend to prefer outcomes with low uncertainty, even if the outcome of the latter is of higher monetary value than the more certain outcome, whereas loss averse people are more averse to losing something that they already own or perceive to own. So let's apply this to marketing in loss aversion and natural disasters. The more one experiences losses, the more likely they are to become prone to loss aversion. Therefore, someone who has experienced a high level of loss from a natural disaster or any type of disaster will be more averse to loss. They will play it safe and get the higher level of insurance. They will double check their smoke detectors more often. They will secure valuables in a safety deposit box. They will stock up more on necessities when a storm is coming. The more one experiences losses, the more likely they are to become prone to loss aversion. But there are many other ways that loss aversion factors into natural disasters and post-disaster behavior of survivors. But before I jump in, I want to make the caveat that not all survivors will experience loss aversion. It will depend on their prior experiences, the totality of their loss, and where they are in their personal journey of recovery. All of the loss aversion behaviors that I will discuss are ones that either I experienced or I witnessed of other survivors. And for those that have not heard my story, I would like to give context to the situation in a brief recap. On December 30th, my husband spotted a wall of fire at least as tall as our house in our backyard. We called 911 and they had no idea that a wildfire was anywhere near our neighborhood. We evacuated our house within three minutes of when we first saw the fire. We didn't grab anything. Our kids ran out in their jammies with no coat and two of them without shoes on their feet. This was the last time we saw our house. Overall, the Marshall Fire was the most destructive in state history, having destroyed 1,084 homes and damaged 149 others, worth an estimated $513 million. I also want to give a little more context by describing the area of Superior in Louisville, Colorado. The median household income for Superior is 127000 and that's compared to the USA of 44000 The majority of families that lost their home were upper middle class. I point this out because many of the behaviors exhibited would lead one to think otherwise. So jumping in, I want to briefly describe a few of the loss aversion behaviors that I saw exhibited by myself or fellow Marshall Fire survivors. First one is 
FOMO, or fear of missing out. This is a social anxiety stemming from the belief that others might be having more fun while the person experiencing the anxiety is not. It is characterized by the desire to stay continually connected with what others are doing. It involves a pervasive apprehension that others might be engaged in rewarding activities that you could miss out on. In the case of disaster survivors, FOMO was prevalent when it comes to grants, fundraisers, and free items that some people obtained that others did not. Number two, the power of free. Free has the power to make us do completely irrational things. It can drive us to break rules and take risks we never thought possible. It can make us feel savvy and smug and exhilarated. During the days and weeks following the fire, I witnessed the, how the power of free really comes into play. One really big example of this is when one organ, organization organized a giveaway event for fire survivors that brought together outdoor gear brands to give away brand new winter coats, hiking boots, sneakers, and workout clothes, among other items, the brands that were represented at the event were of very high quality. For example, a winter coat that I picked up had a price tag on it that was for $750. US The event was well put together, but the power of free, along with a bit of FOMO, and panic buying came into effect. In fact, the event was hectic with people grabbing stuff and shoving it in their bags, not really even looking at what they were grabbing. People were even trying to grab stuff out of each other's bags. This just shows how strong that power of free can be the upper middle class survivors stealing from other survivors. Number three, panic buying. Panic buying is defined as the action of buying large quantities of a particular product or commodity due to sudden fears of a forthcoming shortage or price increase. Imagine panic buying in the wake of a natural disaster is not hard. People will often panic buy before an expected storm or natural disaster. In fact, during the early days of the COVID pandemic, we saw that the shelves were cleared of basic necessities such as toilet paper, shelf-stable foods, and bottled water. But panic buying can happen after a natural disaster and in response to one, such as in the case of the Phoenix event I previously described. This type of overbuying is in a sense of a loss aversion technique that natural disaster survivors will try to control the situation as if having enough toothpaste for the next couple of years will make everything okay. Lastly, price gouging. Price gouging is a term that refers to the practice of raising the price of goods, services, or commodities to an unreasonable or unfair level. In the wake of a natural disaster, price gouging is illegal but often brought to pass. In the days that followed the Marshall Fire, we saw housing prices soars. Soar. Rentals that were already listed climbed by over 200% overnight. I saw properties that had been listed for 2500 the day of the fire. The day after the fire, they were 8500 US dollars. This type of price gouging is not just caused by greed. If insurance companies are offering to pay that much for a rental home, it, would, it will artificially increase the price of housing, at least in the short term. And the biggest lesson that this loss aversion taught was the age-old adage, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Wrapping it up, understanding how we as humans make decisions is an important part of marketing. 
Behavioral economics is the study of decision-making and can give keen insight into buyer behavior and help to shape your marketing mix. Loss aversion bias is a cognitive bias that describes the observation that humans experience loss asymmetrically to a greater degree than acquiring equivalent gains. In this episode, I discuss loss aversion bias behaviors experienced and witnessed in the wake of a natural disaster including FOMO, the power of free, panic buying, and price gouging. If you are enjoying the Behavioral Economics and Marketing Podcast, please leave us a review, like it, share it with your friends and family, and follow us online. Thank you for listening to another episode of Behavioral Economics and Marketing. This is Sandra Thomas-Gamenaugh.